0: It's July the 24th, 2009. I'm Mike Benedetti, and this is 508 a show about Worcester. Good morning, everyone. Today on the show, we have more than two people. This is amazing. We have myself, Brendan Melikin, Tracy Novick, and Kevin Kassin. How is everyone doing this morning?
1: Very well. Great.
0: Good to hear it. Kevin, I wanted to uh, ask you something uh, first uh, about the secret plan to save the pools, um, which is going to be unveiled on Monday.
1: Yeah. um, As as probably everyone knows, the group Save Our Pools have been working for over two years now to try and get these up to the public pools and uh, it's just been one roadblock after the other. Mike, I'm getting, like,
0: feedback now. Oh, you probably are, yeah. It, there's no feedback on this side, though. You are also Ooh. breaking up. Make it really hard to hear. Okay.
2: <laughs> or understand, let's say.
0: Okay. Let me turn that down a little bit. Um, so what is So you guys on Monday, the Save Our Pools Coalition on Monday is going to unveil... Uh, Uh, new suggestions Uh, are these new suggestions on what the city should be doing
1: from the beginning the save our pools coalition has been arguing for to rebuild repair uh, the nine pools in all the different neighborhoods and throughout that the city administration has been saying we want to change the pools to sprinklers Uh, (laughs) we've gone from nine pools down to eight pools then a proposal from commissioner Moylan for five pools and five sprinklers and now, most recently, the city's proposing three, what we're calling large Taj Mahal pools, where they, they would hold up to 500 bathers at a time. Uh, and we're just feeling this is, this is not the direction. We, we want neighborhood-sized pools. And so we've done the research uh, at different places. Uh, Pittsfield, Maine, just opened up a pool uh, just a couple months ago that they built for $500,000. Uh, that's a size pool that fits in a neighborhood that serves the young people and families in that neighborhood, uh, and would allow for us to build nine pools. When we start building two million dollar pools, very large ones similar to the Shine Pool that just opened up on on Plantation on Providence Street, then then yeah, we can't afford to have pools in all the neighborhoods. But if we build smaller pools, pools that fit in and are appropriate for the neighborhood, then it's completely doable. Uh, and so we're arguing against these these larger Taj Mahal pools right now.
0: And so now know so uh, I some people have been I think confused about this because in the past State of Our pools has argued like well the city is like this, this the city is trying to build or the city's new pools are going to be too chintzy for what we need and now you're coming out and saying the city's new pools are going to be too fancy. But I guess what you're saying is that you would rather have cheaper distributed pools than. Fantastic centralized pools.
1: Yeah, well, I, I don't, I don't think that anyone's ever said the city's proposal was too chintzy. I think there was an argument against sprinklers, and I think that was the the where folks folks focused initially around the city's proposal was they want to put in these five sprinkler parks in different corners of the city, shutting down pools, and that's a totally in, inappropriate and unfair trade-off for for neighborhoods that have beaches and and Swimming areas and the inner city neighborhoods to get these sprinkler pads. So we were, we were, we've been arguing throughout for pools, um, but something that's affordable and, and, and,
0: and doable. Do we have any commentary from the other panelists?
3: <laughs> yeah, I was curious as to um, what the you know the, the status is with the DCR pools on the state level. I worked out in Watertown, and they have this amazing. You know, it's, I think it's the only pool in Watertown, but it's a DCR pool, and it you know it's got like. 10, 10 lifeguards working at it, it it's not I think it's probably half the size of like the Bennett Field pool. Um, but I, I was kind of shocked to see that it was open on schedule and it, you know fully staffed and it's open every day, probably longer than our pools are. Uh, it, is there a different level of obviously they're state run, but is the state doing something differently that they that, that we're not able to do uh, on the city level in terms of keeping their pools open and operated?
1: Well I, well, I think the first one is maintenance. So first thing everybody admits in Worcester is there's been no money that's gone into the maintenance of the pools okay. other than slapping on some speckle here and there. Uh, and so the pools have decayed, and the the piping and filtration systems have become outdated as, as they've become older. Uh, you know, okay. But the, there's also been stupidity. So the problem with Holmes Field is couple of years ago the city drove one of their trucks onto the skirt of the pool and the decking collapsed and so the right. city is the case that, the, that this pool has collapsed. Well the truth is the city drove a truck onto it and the way the piping is set up for this pool is the pipes run in a in a conduit underneath the um, skirt. So the skirt isn't designed to hold the truck it's designed to hold people up and to be removed so you can get to the piping underneath. Um, The the pools have just become old, have become frail, and we have completely ignored them. So three years ago when the city redid Beaverbrook Park, the city literally did every square inch of that park with reinvestment except for the pool. And that's what we've seen throughout the last 5, 10, 15 years with the pools in Worcester. Um, We're just arguing for the money that hasn't been there um, to be put back
3: there. Do you foresee the the, uh, obvious new changes to uh, our financial structure uh, coming down from the state level? Is that going to affect your plans at all? I mean, is is recreation money money that can be shifted around easily? uh, So we're likely to see uh, the city manager say, well, now we even have less funds to do uh, what we wanted to, or is recreation fund, are those kind of solid and, and can't be touched?
1: I think, I think it's hard. I think the, the picture is still unclear on what is and isn't coming. But I think mm-hmm. one of the things we're running up against is, again, the city's priorities. So right. there's been a, a lot of youth uh, summer recreation money that's come to the city this past year. This year, two more years, called WIA. Uh, and that funding, other communities are using for summer recreation people and lifeguards. And this year, the city refused... To use that money, even after not only save our pools, but city councils asked and pushed for that. Uh, the city manager said, No, I don't want to do that. And so, this money specifically designed for youth jobs, which could have paid for lifeguards. Right? So, there's so this whole effort to make it impossible to open the pools this year, and that was one of them. Um, but I think that's money, money that there, there, there tends to always be some federal money coming in for youth jobs. And there's no reason we can't have a, a, a structure in, in, in our city that regularly, you know, hires some young people from the community to be lifeguards and, and picks up a, a, a big portion. Uh, the lifeguards is, the, is the, the largest percentage of the cost for the pools. Um, so I think there are, are ways to do this. Other communities certainly do. And, and it's, one the, yet again, one of those things that we just need to figure out how to do rather than going with we-just-can't-do-it attitude. And just to go back to your earlier question around the Shine Pool, yeah, they, the Shine Pool opened up with a uh, ribbon cutting two, three weeks ago now. Uh, it, is one, it is one of those larger pools. It's, it could hold up to 500 people um, as a bather load, depending on the, um, the number of lifeguards. That you need to have one lifeguard for every 25 people. Uh, what we're seeing is uh, it, it, it's because it's the, if that pool and Bennett are the only two open this year. That there are massive lines for young people trying to get in there. So, young people regularly talk about having to wait an hour, hour and a half. Some even saying upwards of two hours to try and get into the pool.
3: So, yeah, it just seems it, it, it seems absurd, right? That I mean, you would try. say, so well, we can fit five hundred people in this pool. Well, uh, I would have fit five. That's like the the exact opposite of of recreation. That's a bunch of really like. Annoyed people standing shoulder to shoulder, you know, waist deep in water. And that doesn't sound like a good time at all. That just sounds awful. Um, but yeah, okay.
0: Anything else on pools, people? All right. I wanted to move on to, uh, I don't know if I want to go down something trivial or something serious. What do you think?
1: Well, trivial is always fun.
0: All right, so I'm going to talk about plastic bags, even though plastic bags are extremely important to me. Um, the city is uh, talking about uh, banning plastic bags. According to the Telegram and Gazette, the mayor has asked the city's legal department to draft an ordinance that would prohibit uh, retailers from distributing plastic bags to customers. Um, I I don't, or, or I guess giving them to customers. I'm not. I have not seen this ordinance. Um, you know this is something which i have been uh involved with for quite a while a few a number of years ago ken hanford Riccardi, and i uh you know we're looking into this problem of there being these discarded plastic bags these things which are useful for you know 20 minutes and then get thrown away or tossed onto the street and um our feeling was that as good anarchist type people we should not try to get the city to draft an ordinance or we should not try to force stores to do anything so we uh we got the catholic workers to uh make a whole bunch of uh canvas bags and we had a bag distribution day at big y where we gave out free bags and talked to people about using bags and i think we were a little bit ahead of the curve here because it was not too many months later that you suddenly would see the uh the uh um, the durable the cheap but durable green bags being sold by all the stores and so now the city is talking about uh trying to get the stores to just not give away a bag at all any thoughts on this
3: I actually, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And other cities have done this. Because San Francisco still has an ordinance in play, if I'm not mistaken, with one of the bigger cities that, that has touched upon that issue. What I just hope is that, you know, the city writes, as it usually does, a very sloppy ordinance, and it ends up banning itself from selling the most overpriced trash bags on the planet to customers. That's they just find themselves, by virtue of writing terrible legislation <laughs> that, you know, their giant yellow trash bags can't be sold if to the retail- public anymore either.
0: That's true. If retailers could not distribute a bag, that would probably include selling a bag. I mean, retailer. The, the, I have to say that the Telegram and Gazette article is kind of most notable because the, both the headline and the subheadline are totally wrong. The headline is "The War Over Plastic Bags," and the subheadline is "A Not So Quiet Revolution Is Underway at America's Grocery Stores." And honestly, there's only the mildest disagreement expressed in this article <laughs> about plastic bags. Yeah, there is. And I mean, and, and presumably most retailers, at least larger retailers, totally love this kind of stuff. Even if they don't want the city to be like telling them how to run their business, you know, the the idea that they no longer you know are socially required to give people free bags and can now right. sort of pressure people to buy a bag from them. A bag, and, and those you know those bags don't last. The, in my experience, those bags last maybe a year or two. Though I don't know what you guys is feeling is on those bags, but
3: I'm not yeah, the, the one. The Trader Joe's and, and like a. Uh, um, I think sure Joe's probably the best example. You know the bags that they sell, but they seem to last forever. I, I can't get rid of really? them. I've got dozens of them here that you know have been they've purchased and you know more than I could ever possibly need for. Uh, I guess a reason to go to the beach or something. But um, yeah, the, the, the green ones that you see at like Shaws and local like local supermarkets, they seem to be kind of cheap. But you know a lot of you know the grocery retailers that have. Started selling like really high quality bags that seem to last forever, which is, it seems to have some pretty decent value for the, for the customer as well.
0: I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give a tip yeah, to, I have to say, um, I use
2: LL Bean bags, which last forever. So,
0: yeah, are these like a canvas tote bag?
2: Yeah, like I mean, I, what I've got is canvas bags that my parents bought probably when I was in high school that yeah. you know have been used for everything, and now I'm using for groceries. So, I. The, that's, that's a great return on
3: return on investment.
0: It's true. It's true. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to say two things. One thing I wanted to give people a tip on uh, using these bags. Um, the f- well, the first of, the, I guess the the main thing is, in my experience, talking to people about using bags, the people who use the bags are the people who find a way to make it a habit. And I give you, I always give the example of my parents. My parents always use the bags. They never use the get the plastic bags. And the reason is because they have a whole. <clears throat> whole system where the pantry is right next to the car and the garage and so they drive into the garage they unload all the stuff then they put the bags back in the car so when they get to the store the bags are in the car I think you gotta have some kind of a, a system like that, I think you gotta get a way to like make sure that you have the bags with you, otherwise you're gonna always be buying bags at the store because you've probably spent your entire adult life just not even thinking about how am I gonna get this stuff home, it's like always there and it's hard to undo, you know years and years of habit like that so that's my one suggestion
2: yeah i don't know if you guys have ever shopped at price right which actually doesn't do bags it never has they only sell bags Mm -hmm. but that's the thing that always has has um surprised me is the number of people who shop there on a regular basis who buy bags every single time that they go um and it's clear that they that that switch hasn't happened that the the idea that if you just sort of threw the bags in the car or and here's the thing that i think is probably going to come up is if you use public transit You've got to become European about having a collapsible bag that you actually just bring with you to throw your stuff in. Because that's the piece that's going to, I think, probably come up somewhere along the way. So people are going to say, oh, this isn't fair for people who take you know transit. They don't have a trunk. They don't have their stuff thrown in the back of the car. You can still do it. You still have to, use, as you're saying, get it in your day.
0: That's right. That's right. The other thing... By the way, everyone who's missed the uh, the episodes where everybody's voice is constantly breaking up in the calls, here it is again for you. A nice little reminder of that. Um, the, the other thing is, people will point out that this is a totally trivial thing in the context of our entire, you know, societal crisis over global climate change and sustainability. And I think that this is definitely true, that this is a very trivial thing. I also think that these are like, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road, though. I mean, sustainability my mind is not so much of a, a technological problem although it is that as it is a social problem of like how do you get people to how do we get people to, to voluntarily change our way of life in this country without like massive coercion you know like in this case the mayor is saying massive coercion is the way to get the people of worcester to change their habit about the bags i think that as far as changing our entire lifestyle goes massive coercion doesn't really work but so it's kind of, I, I see this as like a good little test case. You know, this is like a place where there's experimentation, where the anarchists do one thing and the politicians do another thing and the activists do another thing. And we kind of see, we kind of feel out like, how do we want to how do we want to make these changes? How do we want to mandate these changes? How can we change our culture in a way that's like, that works? Um, so to me, that's what it's all about. To me, it's totally about like, it's totally about like the tiny little test case to see, you know, how do we then go on to, I don't know, phasing out gasoline and fairly radical things like that.
2: And, and we, we well, do that. For her example. Oh, go ahead.
0: No, yeah, anyway, I was going to say, I'm we, we do that. Brendan Melican, go first. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say
3: we do actually have you know like pretty good national examples of how a change in mindset like that can actually work and most of us in our age group will remember Saturday morning cartoons or the commercial with the sad Indian talking about littering and how it was ruining the planet and whatnot um, I mean that's an that image that it wasn't actually an Indian it was was a, it was an Italian actor, or work actor, but you know, that, that guy's face is burned into our skulls forever and we all started yelling at our parents for throwing big foam Big Mac containers up the window while they were driving instantly. Um, you know, and and it, isn't, it is hard to teach adults you know, who are, are in a habit of doing something one way. It's very hard to get them to change those habits. But it's very easy to, when, when you have a, a very directed sort of campaign, Especially when you're aiming at young people to change a next generation's habits, and you know nowadays you you, you don't see people like litter the way you used to. Where you know in the '70s and '80s, throwing stuff out the window uh, uh, of an old Chevy was not a big deal. That's what everyone did. You just threw crap out the window because you wouldn't want it on the floor of your car. And you know it it didn't take much to actually show people that really is a pretty obscene and and disgusting way to live your lives. Um, But it, it took a full generation for that to kind of got to come around, and and it had to be directed at young people. So we need another sad Native American, or Italian, whichever way you want to look at
0: it. It still drives me crazy. Actually, that reminds me of an incident up at Bancroft Tower a couple weeks ago, and I was up there with some people and Holmes Wilson, among others, and some kid, like throws this trash like sort of over this little wall there and I immediately became infuriated and Holmes became infuriated enough that he was like hey and like went over there what are you doing there you go. and and I was wondering like what's up with this kid or whenever I see people walking down Maine South throw a cup on the ground and you know what I think the answer is not enough TV not enough Saturday morning cartoons <laughs> that could explain. <laughs> that that could could no explain they were not on no Native Americans on Saturday morning cartoons. They were not propagandized like I was to have a horror of throwing trash on the ground. But Tracy, yeah. what, what were you going to say?
2: I was going i just was going to say that I thought the mayor's example was brilliant, which was that Spags never had bags, and you knew it, and you walked in, and you—you know—if you had a lot of stuff, you got a cardboard box, and otherwise, everybody walked out carrying something. I mean, that was the culture. The um, and if we can make it the culture of the city, then so much the better. Yeah. But I mean, putting it in the context of being, you know, well, it's bags didn't have bags. Well, that's true.
0: That's so really until the end when they weren't really bags anyway. <laughs> that is really clever. Um, I wanted, I wanted to ask. Uh, I wanted to switch onto uh, one more one topic, and then if people have other topics, we could do that. And my question is, does it matter who the mayor is?
3: Yes, it does. Why? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, to figure out position and, and what have you. But, but the the reality is that the city manager is, is usually whoever the city manager is, not just Michael Bryant, still needs to be and is tuned into the will of the city. Doesn't always respect the will of the city and the general populace, but at least needs to be tuned into that and acknowledge that there is some political and social capital tied to that. Um, you know, and in, in in that regard, you know, you you. Ne- It's important to have someone who is forward-thinking, and even in in the case of a figurehead mayor, a more idealistic mayor. Uh, You know, I I made this comment er, er, earlier in the week that you know, if the world had always been run by naysayers, we would never have invented the wheel, and possibly never invented the orgy as well. And you know, that's you—you need idealistic people in in, in figurehead positions to be coming up with all the wacky, crazy next-generation ideas. And then you need the sort of contrarians and whatnot on the sidelines to reel those people in when they get out of line. But if you, so I mean, in, in the sense of, of guiding guiding uh, popular opinion or or conventional wisdom, you, it, it's incredibly important that even your figureheads are, are sort of ahead of the curve and uh, thinking, uh, uh, forward-thinking people. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said for 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 a voice that that everyone is going to have their eyes on, even if that voice isn't the the, the final ruling on any particular matter.
0: Anybody else have an answer to the question? Does it matter who's the mayor?
1: Yeah, I'd say it matters in terms of um, keeping the city manager focused and on track and, and reminding him he's an employee and
0: the, uh, the mayor of the city. Hold on, you were just cut so off. Remi- rem- reminding the city manager what?
1: Hmm. That he's an employee. And it, I, I think one of the things we haven't seen over the last couple of years with the current city council and with the current mayor is keeping the city manager on track. Um, and, and keeping the voice of, of residents kind of um, present at City Hall. So I, I, I think of the, um, the whole pools campaign, which we just talked about, and there was seven public hearings to, to, um, to discuss the pools, which is unprecedented in, in Worcester, I would say, for any issue to hold seven public hearings. And Mayor Luce couldn't show her face at a single one. Um, that said a lot to us as a group in terms of where the mayor is, in terms of her public statements of, I support the pools, I'm going to work for the pools, I'm going to work with you. But when it came time to actually um, do something, she couldn't even show up at a public hearing. Um, so that, that's one example. Um, I think the other example with the mayor is um, the whole vendor issue, which we've all talked about before here. Um, it was the mayor in that instance that really initiated it to protect her family. And so, it was, you know, the whole patronage thing in terms of not wanting Captain Ron downtown across from um, her family's restaurant. And so the whole mayor, I think the, who the mayor is, not only is it somebody that should be leading, but too often it, it, it is often somebody leading in the wrong direction or closing out people or closing out creativity.
0: Tracy Novick, do you have any brief answer on why the mayor may yeah,
2: actually, I, I was going to talk about probably from the other side, which is that in terms of what the mayor actually physically does under planning government, uh, the mayor's major responsibility is to be the chair of the board of the city council and the chair of the board of the school committee, how those bodies function, how, um, how those things are run. The mayor has everything to do with that, and I think that it's easy to dismiss that as being something that, you know, a minor number of crazy people like myself see on Tuesday and Thursday nights. But um, what gets on the agenda, how much time is devoted to talking about it, how much public process goes on, that's something what Kevin was talking about, but even within those bodies um, has everything to do with the mayor. And I mean, we've had mayors who welcomed public comment. We've had mayors who shut off public comment. Um, We've had mayors who didn't allow uh, discussions within the council itself before um, decisions were made. Um, We've had mayors who have encouraged that. And that, I think, has a lot to do with how open the city of Lister is. It has everything to do with how involved people are in the process. And then, as um, Kevin said, in terms of the city manager actually working for a board of directors, and then the same thing is true on the school side of, of the superintendent working for a board of directors. The mayor is the chair of that board. Um, so, in terms of the day-to-day functioning of the government and them overseeing that, that's that's the mayor's function.
0: When people's people's uh, signatures for uh, nomination papers are due, when Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Tuesday. All right. Okay, so I think it's,
2: I think it's Tuesday. So I think it's five
0: o'clock. Tuesday at five o'clock. So, so Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm gonna update. Uh, I'm gonna stick up a wiki page on Worcester Activist of who's running the 28th. this year. Twenty eighth. I
2: don't. Whatever day the twenty eighth is.
0: That sounds like Tuesday. I think it's like Tuesday. We'll still I'll stick up. A, I'll stick up a wiki page about this, and then next week we'll actually start. You know, once we know who the players are, we can actually talk about the uh, the elections that are coming up and uh, try to get some people who are involved with those elections on. Um, yeah. Anything else? Anything else exciting going on this week? Anything inspiring. I need to come
2: see the Cascades. We got two inches of rain last night and another half an inch before midnight. I have never seen the Cascades running so hard so fast. Is March,
0: I'm gonna go up and check it out. You need to. Also, supposedly the uh, the public art is in Elm Park as of yesterday. I haven't been up there to see It, it. is. Is it good?
2: Yeah, some of it actually was even up earlier in the week. Yep. There's some cool stuff.
0: Awesome. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is going on this weekend to check out. I don't know. Nothing much on my radar. Kevin, I know you're going to be out of town. Brendan, do you have any anything exciting on the Worcester list for this weekend?
3: I am fully uh, not excited. <laughs>
0: it's not an inspirational weekend. All right. No, well,
3: no, it's another standard weekend, I
0: think. Another standard weekend in Worcester. Well, everybody, thanks for being on the podcast. Um, and thanks for listening to the podcast and you know people can email us at pieingcocket at gmail.com for all of the and play on the show. Uh, talk to you next week.
3: Thank you.